Okay, I think I'm ready to podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. Hello, I'm Morgan Price. This podcast is a companion to our monthly webinar series that is supporting the transition of team-based primary care in British Columbia. In this, our first episode, I was joined by Colleen Kennedy, the Executive Director for Health Systems Improvement and Engagement at the BC Patient Safety and Quality Council and Dr. Sarah Fletcher, a medical anthropologist and the manager of the BC Primary Care Innovation Support Unit. We had a fun and thoughtful discussion on some of the topics highlighted by Dr. Jeanette Boyd's Team Up webinar session entitled Partners in Care, Preserving and Enhancing Longitudinal Relationship-Based Care in the Patient Medical Home. If you did not have a chance to see the webinar, we did record it, and it'll be up at teambasedcarebc.ca. That's all one word, but don't worry, the link will be in the show notes. In this episode of the podcast, we dived right in with Colleen thinking about medicine, quality, and love. And we went from there into the importance of developing shared purpose and how teams can work most effectively together. I enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you do too. Wherever the art of medicine is loved, there's also a love of humanity. And it just, it got me thinking about, you know, Donna Bedian did a ton of work around quality and where love fits in quality, and ultimately the secret of quality even is love. And then if you have love, you can kind of work backwards and figure out what you want to do to achieve that coming from a place of love. And I thought that was such an incredible way she started things. The heart of it all was all about that relationship with the person right at the center of that relationship and the team really wrapped around them, which I just thought was beautiful. You knew why they were there. Why is that team there? And they knew why they were there. Yeah. I got the sense that if I was a patient in that team, that I would I would know that the team was around me, right? She really talked about that many times, that, that wrapped around the patient. I love that image, really knowing the patient, ensuring that those parts that are wrapped around are integrated. She, I think she also used the term holding or they're held. And I, I just thought it was interesting to think about you know, that relationship with with the person absolutely at the center, with care revolving around them, integrated around them and seamless around them, not fragmented in any way. I know that you've done a lot of work focused on this idea of developing a shared purpose and how you bring teams through this. What do you think are like the the biggest challenges that teams run into when they're trying to do that? The biggest challenge about it is often just if you don't do shared purpose. When you don't do shared purpose, you may get bogged down in different agendas, different approaches, different philosophies. And I think when the time is taken to really build shared purpose, when we can rally around and come to agreement around those shared values where there's alignment about what we're trying to achieve. And I think, you know, that alignment around building this open, trustful, longitudinal relationship with a patient is is such a key piece. And that's shared purpose is what people can always come back to. So I actually find it becomes easy when you build shared purpose, because I find that people who work in healthcare are very committed and people who are receiving healthcare there's a real focus on these values and there's more values in common. And so I find that when we actually build shared purpose, I actually find that to be the easy part. It's just getting to the space of protecting the time to do it. And I think when people really take the time and have the time to think about shared purpose, to reflect on it, that's where we really can see that, that thing that unites us. It's so important. And in the team that I'm in, I mean, some of that's been in the culture for so long 
the first uh, care that was provided by the organization happened before I was born. Not as the community health center it is today, but some of that that culture kind of pulled through and it's grown and evolved and changed, but there's still that thread. So when I came on board, it felt like I found a home. That's how I would describe the culture. In a newer group, thinking about how to build that culture and you're right, the space and time it takes to, t- sorry, I was sounding like Yoda there for a moment. Space and time <laughs> no, no, it no, takes. No, 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 I love what you had to say. <laughs> no, but I actually, um, I think you hit something really important there is the space and time. And I was actually curious, and I'm going to ask you a question. I'm curious how that team has continued to instill, um, foster that culture over time and over changes in that team's membership. Because I think there's something really unique to, you know, fostering a really solid, healthy culture, and that takes work. But then as that team changes, as time changes, as practice changes, you know, what have what has uniquely been done to kind of support that and maintain that culture? Well, I think that's a really, it's a really good question. And, and especially as teams change, but also potentially different teams merge together. A, a lot of the people that have joined our practice have been a learner through our practice. They've perhaps worked with us for a few months or even a couple of years, and then they come back. We have uh, one of our, our main docs now actually volunteered with us pre-med and was putting charts away back when we had charts, and then came and did it sometime as, as a med student, and then came back and he was a resident in our clinic for the two years. He went off and did some other stuff and came back to Victoria. And it's been part of the practice ever since. That piece of culture came through all of that experience before he became a doc and now, you know, clearly is part of what he brings to the practice. And it's, I think in the, in the, the day of COVID, culture is so tricky because it's very easy to suddenly have all these outreach, virtual, disconnected, and you, you lose that sense of what we're doing or the why. And so that's the thing for me right now is thinking about these, these new teams or new team members that are joining virtually. And how do you build that in to an outreach group or a virtual care team? How do you actually find the time in your day to make sure that these kind of culture building things are happening? How do you protect that time? How, how does that work? How have both of you seen that work? We, we run a teamwork and communication action series and, you know, watching and listening to the teams that have gone through that program. Um, one of the things I find really interesting is when they have protected the time to really nurture their team, when they protected the time or they're able to protect the time to plan how they're going to work together, to plan how they're going to engage with each other plan how they're going to even resolve conflict, plan how they, you know, their roles and responsibilities are going to fit together and their rules of engagement, so to speak. Actually, in the end, it it saves them time because when they find if they spend that time cultivating that relationship, really building that relationship with each other, building that trust, inherent deep trust with each other. And and when I talk about that relationship and trust, I think that team includes the patient. It actually makes that whole process more efficient. The team with the patient, the center is a clear understanding understanding of what really matters to the patient and the person's having the opportunity in place to articulate what really matters. I don't think it's easy, though, finding that time and space. And I know the teams that have done that well are the ones that, you know, they just really make this commitment to find time. And even if that's time of a 15-minute huddle at the start of every day, something to start cultivating that, protecting that time to move it forward. Colleen, there's two things I want to jump on there. One is that idea of it takes time, and you, but you make time. It's the same with patients. If you take time up front and build that relationship, then 
other things happen smoother and faster. And that continuity is really important. I think it's the same with team. The other thing that, that you mentioned was that, that sort of, is it just 15 minutes a day? There's the big bang approach that people take. And then there's that low, slow, right? And I think it's both, but you can, you can do a little bit of upfront work, but if you can continue along, you're going to build up that, that relationship and that purpose together. It's not a one and done kind of thing. So I think putting something in, in place that either formally or informally continues to build team is really, really important. I think you hit the nail on the head there is that it is ongoing and it's iterative and to really cultivate that culture of care that Jeanette talked about. It, it, it is something that is always happening. It's going to be continuously happening and it takes that time, energy and effort to do it. And I think you're right though, that that bolus of work at the beginning can really set it up for success. Um, build that foundation to kind of build that provider um, patient relationship to build the the interdisciplinary teams relationship as well. The other piece I, I heard you talk about was how do you do that today in a virtual world where your team is distributed perhaps time and place and so where are the possibilities of leveraging even the technologies we have access to to create the space still for teams to connect you know create the space for a really quick rapid huddle that happens to be virtual um how do we connect in with each other throughout the day and in different ways and you know as an organization, we've always really functioned very distributed um, with people around the province. I think that those connections, like we almost have a virtual water cooler where you would have those some of those little conversations you might have. With our ISU group, we do have a water cooler. We have a virtual water cooler. That's what we call it. And that's meant for not work. That's for just, hey, here's a picture of where, where I was at on my holiday. And that's a really important to be explicit that that's what you can use it for, what you should use it for. And we want you to do that not sort of sneak it in at the end of a Zoom meeting when nobody's noticing. So we've also done in our team daily check-ins and and given, the again, ex express permission that if you want to talk about what happened last night, how are your gutters, what have you, we'll, we'll cover it off, no problem. That's what it's there for. He, Morgan says that because I start every single check-in with like a story of my life. <laughs> not just about your gutters. This is what just I happened. I wasn't going to name names. <laughs> well, this morning it was about my gutters. Yeah. But, but that way we know what's going on. And I think that's really important yeah. to, to team build. Yeah. And I think spending the time in our meetings even to start them off with the human piece of it. Ray Markham from RCCBC really advocates for the start of every meeting with a human being and human doing. What are we working on? But who are we as beings? And I think that that comes back to that humanity piece as we go full circle is that as we build our culture is that we also build the culture with the people we work with, but we all come from this. And I, I wonder about that for teams, you know, as you think about that theme of trust, that's something that also really emerged repeatedly yesterday about cultivating trust between all team members. And I actually thought it was interesting because she talked about even what is a team, you know, and, and a team is what a patient says it is. And, and what they need to optimize their health and wellness. And that by building care, that relational longitudinal care around what matters to that patient, you are cultivating that trust. And I think you're building a relationship that I think improves care and improves certainly that relationship of care. And I think, Morgan, we always use the definition of a team or people who work together on how they want to work together. And once you have that, those people working together, then that's a team and that team shifts depending on the patient's needs. 
there's a couple ways to use team, right? So there's the the team that I'm a part of, and then there's the patient's team. And those you know will overlap, but they're not the same. I use circle of care to describe the patient's team. And then mm-hmm. the team, for example, in the community health center that I work in, the team that I work with are the people that I know and, and trust in that group. And there will be other people in multiple circles of care for the all the patients I take care of that might be in or out of that team, but they're in the patient's circle of care. And ideally, as many people are in my team or in my patient's team and vice versa, right? Because that trust between team members, patient providers, family members, caregivers, is what makes the team work. And amazing what it does, you know, that complex adaptive system of all these different agents kind of moving between these various teams. What was the biggest nugget for you yesterday? Is there something that really stood out for you that you're just like, oh, we got to hold on to that? When Jeanette was talking about some of the higher level team, thinking of it really broadly, I thought it was great to intentionally think broad about the team in the context of community, in the context of the system. Mm because I will often think about team as a provider in the context of the community health center that I work in. She started early saying, you know, the, the partnership Pentagon is a good way to consider the stakeholders that you want to consider in change. I think that's really important to go broad early on. And it, it's almost like maybe the layers of an onion aren't quite the right thing, but at the very core is that patient. And then there's these layers wrapped around them, the immediate team, the broader team, um, perhaps in the clinic, the broader team of interdisciplinary and specialist care providers, the community in which they live, the socioeconomic status and the environment that they're in, all of those forming that complexity of who that person is and, and that care system. Colleen, what was your, what was your takeaway in there? The needs-based piece of it in many ways. So not about what we think, but she talked a lot about sort of, you know, when we build continuity of care, really understanding what's important, that informational continuity, continuity obviously of care provider, that relational piece I think was at the core, but then she also talked about the managerial elements of continuity. So that continuity of approach of how you approach care as a team based on sort of that needs-based approach. So how are you approaching care around what matters most to the person you're caring for? The clear understanding what what they need for services, and, and maybe that is clinical care, maybe it is connection with some sort of community agency, maybe it is connection with support around housing if they're precariously housed. So just understanding that whole person and the needs and that understanding of that person in the context of who they are and, and that care has to be aligned with that and really focused on that. So, so allow me to geek out for a second because my PhD was in continuity of care. The way she described the managerial part, she did it in two different ways, which I really like. So there's the one that often we think about, which is the shared care plan or that we follow these guidelines and this is the target for somebody, et cetera. But the other part was the consistent approach. Though so not the plan specifically, but here's how we approach things as a team. And then knowing I can trust my colleagues that if I'm not there, that our approach is consistent. So that if you go and see somebody else in a different role or even the same role, that the approach will be consistent. And I thought that was huge. It was just, she, she articulated it so well and it goes to another piece of continuity that I think is important, and it's a bit oblique, but it, it pulls back to what we're talking about in terms of team. It's the inter-provider or the inter-team member connectedness. And it's an enabler of the other three layers of continuity. So if I know Anne, and Anne calls me and says, I'm worried about a patient, I, I literally will start to sweat 
Because if she's worried, then I better be freaked out. I know what her level of skill and, and comfort is. And if we've hit that, this patient's sick. And so there's, there's that relationship, again, coming back to the creation of team, and it's how we can then respond across the team. But yeah, Jeanette just did such a great way of bringing in that idea of consistent approach. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think, you know, she talked about continuity of approach, how the whole team will approach those individual issues or problems. But they also talk, she also talked about, you know, when you step away from that ownership, I think it's the language she used, you step away from the ownership because you actually know that other members of your team are going to have that approach. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Trust the people they're working with, trust where that level or threshold is, as you described, Morgan, and, and, and trust that that approach is going to be consistent. And that so you can step away from that ownership. It's no longer a my patient. It's this collective partnership. I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that. I agree with everything but the last sentence. I still feel very connected to my patients. Yeah. And I still use that phrase, yeah. not as ownership, but as this responsibility and mm -hmm. connection to, and it's shared and other people, they're, they're connected. And hopefully people that I consider my patients consider me their doctor. I think it's an important point. And I think maybe it's less about the choice of words and more about the mindset that goes with it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I think that even though you may call them my patient, your philosophy is our patient in so many ways, right? This is a that collective. And I think, so maybe it does come down to mindset. The foundation of effective culture change is really about a mindset shift too, away from the perception that those other team members aren't equally important or, or differently important, perhaps is a better term. And I remember Jeanette talking about how there may be a member of her team is really strong. If she has a person coming in with anxiety, depression, she may refer them to one of her colleagues, given that somebody else who, who maybe has housing issues, she'll, she'll look at somebody else or that each of them has a level of expertise that that collective whole of the team becomes much greater than the sum of the parts because of that, because you're able to leverage those different areas of expertise, and knowledge and wisdom. Well, and I think that really speaks to the what what I heard come out in a lot of the discussion after Jeanette talked, how do you alleviate fears related to the transition of to team based care? And how do you kind of maintain autonomy? This idea of like maintaining autonomy in the context of, of teams is really interesting because it, it is hard to change. And there is a kind of a lot of fear related to, I think, particularly this idea of, of autonomy and loss of autonomy or what does that look like? Do, do you have any advice to that, Colleen? Instantly, I go back to shared purpose. You know, I, it's funny that I, I, I want to go full circle back to shared purpose, where the overlap of values and connection really shows where people actually are trying to cheat the same thing on a team often. And so it can feel less threatening, perhaps when you see that, oh, wait a minute, they actually feel the same way that I do. They really want to just provide, mm -hmm. ensure the best care is available at the right time, the right place, that the right structures of support are, are wrapped around this patient. And I think when you, when you have that, I think it can feel less threatening. I do think the fear, though, is one you almost want to hit head on. So what are the fears? And let's unearth them and unpack them and talk about them. Because I think that one of the biggest reasons for resistance to change is actually that fear. And, and so, you know, I think by building those relationships, and again, that relational piece between and amongst team members um, is, is so vital, because I think it can help have that feel less threatening. I don't know, mm -hmm. Morgan, I, I'd be really curious about your thoughts as a clinician. Is it fear of the unknown and fear of some oblique components to it that's stopping people uh, just or fear of I don't have capacity? It's not less fear, but it's I don't have capacity for this change. I think for some, it feels like that loss of autonomy, loss of agency. So I have more of that in my private practice. And I don't know if that's actually true, mm -hmm. 
uh, in some ways it is, and in some ways it isn't, because you have flexibility as it's your own private office, private lease, etc. But on the other side, with a team, you do have more flexibility to break the model of the fee-for-service treadmill and do things differently. So I, I think there's a, there's a bit of a push and pull there. In building a new model of care, that it's not imposed on thou shalt compliance-based approach, when I think about agency, what I was referring to more is the agency that individuals have to help shape what this can look like. And, and I wonder if having that agency will helps it feel less threatening if you are coming together and having the difficult conversations about the fear, having the difficult conversations around role clarity, having the difficult conversations around, you know, how will the support be wrapped around a patient and by co-creating by having agency in that creation i wonder if that can help address i think so and i think we've seen that sarah in even in mm -hmm. our work getting out into groups that are either existing or, or forming teams there's been small or big breakthroughs along the way in the conversation that's allowed people to you know, again work together on working together and then they become more of a team and we have those great examples, you know, of people who are getting into a room together who are in a team but have never actually met before and have these conversations about like, oh, well, you you really like to give injections? Like you'll do all of the vaccinations? You like that? That's wonderful. And you see in kind of an immediate change in practice, an immediate team working together in a different way. Working together and working together is, is sort of one piece you talk about, but I think you know, I often found a million years ago when I used to facilitate lean events um, and bring groups of people together. And one of the things I really found is that the greatest value was actually getting people in the same room, the physical room or a virtual room today, having that time and space for people to work together on how to work together, right? That time and space to have those conversations, the time and space to get to know each other. Um, and I think in the busyness of actually providing care or working in an environment on any team, you know, that can be the thing that slips. And, and I think that investment coming back to investing time to save time, that investment in time to work together and how you're going to work together really sets a team up for success and builds that foundation. And I think, and then becomes less threatening and less fearful, perhaps, as you kind of see the possibilities of, oh yeah, that person's going to do the injection, Sarah. I love the injection example because I was there too, listening to this conversation. And what also came out was, I like to give injections because it's an opportunity that I take to better get to know the patients that I work with. And the other provider felt it took away from another piece of care where they felt they were getting to know the patient better. And so it was this sort of, if we shift it this way, we're both going to have more capacity to be patient-centered, and, and which I thought was you know exactly the kind of conversation you wanted to have. So it didn't feel like I'm dumping a, a task onto you or you're taking a task from me. It was actually this is a way that each of us is now going to provide better service and get to know our patient and understand what the needs are and come back to that relationship building, which I thought was fantastic. And to me, you know, it was a short conversation, a short connection that really epitomizes that team building that can happen. And then the after effects of that are, yes, the care is going to be more patient-centered. We've picked a tangible change in practice that's going to make everything run more smoothly for our practice. Oh, I love that example. And I think it's interesting to think about, you know, almost like the pieces of a puzzle and how all these different connected parts can fit together even better by leveraging the strengths-based approach or these preferences approach. How does it create the space for them to have the time to focus on what matters in the care? And actually, if you have a clear understanding of what matters to the patient, clear understanding of what matters to the provider, you have more joy at work, you actually have better culture, you have better culture, we know you have better outcomes.
Colleen, I think that this webinar that we listened to yesterday really sets the stage so well for the series of Team Up. We've got pages of questions from the participants of the webinar yesterday that I think will help us pull together meaningful content for the series and, and to bring stuff to our, our website for teambasedcarebc.ca. I agree. I think the real goal of that series is is to provide those opportunities to learn, to connect. But also the questions at the end for me really highlighted that people really want to start digging into this. I, I get excited about the webinar series because I think we can really riff off sort of those ideas and the questions that came forward. So I think the goal of that series, podcast, webinar series is to to listen to the system, to to provide those opportunities for sharing in the system and to help accelerate the change and, and give those additional systems of support around people doing this really vital work right now. Well, I think we'll wrap up our episode there. Certainly have a lot more to say and we'll have more opportunity in subsequent episodes to carry on the conversation. So please connect with us, send us your feedback and suggestions for other topics, and we'll see you in the next episode of Team Up.